Hello, welcome to the Kapow Radio Show. Yay! What's today's date, Ms. Kapow? Today's date is Monday, uh, September 19th, 2016. Okay. What we're going to do is we intend to do a series entitled Genesis 1 Prophecy. It's deep stuff. It's meaty stuff. So as we try to do this, we're learning as we're as we go and to share with you deep stuff. I will give a disclaimer because I know there's new people that land on this show all the time and they have a tendency, not all of them, but some of them have a tendency to not understand what we do here. And they'll listen to freedom Friday and they'll think we're terrible people. Then they'll listen to this show. And then though they're getting the word and they're digging it, um, they're like, ah, these people are crazy because they believe in demons or, they're prophetic nuts and you know, then they get on their Christian, their true Christian forum on Reddit and badmouth us. Mm-hmm. I would I would strongly urge you, if you're new listening and you have questions about us or what we're teaching or something, would you email me at Paul at Kapow Radio Show? Um, if you go to Fifth Hook Media, you can get a hold of us there. If you go to KapowRadioShow.com, you can get a hold of us there. You can get a hold of us on Facebook at Fifth Hook Media Facebook. There's all kinds of ways to get a hold of us. Ask me your question before you start blasting us on the internet, because mm-hmm. it's very immature to do that, and it's satanic. Well, it's, and it's not fair. It's not you know fair. Because I mean? you're asking other people their opinion about something they really don't know anything about either. No. You know, like our book and our testimony, a lot of people think that um, we made that up. Yeah, and that's irritating. Yeah, because it's true. Yeah. It happened to us. And we lived in, in a literal hell for years. So it really irritates me when they they don't believe, you know, that it happened or that we wrote it for sensationalism. And um, it just it's really annoying. So just email us. Email me. Ask me your questions and clarify. If you think we're heretical or whatever, then, you know, go somewhere else. Go listen to Joel Olstein. So that's just, I'm just, that's just a disclaimer. I have to say that because new people land and they don't, they don't get it. Mm-hmm. But for those who get it, who've been following the Kapow radio show and you listen to us and you listen to our dear brother Marcos. And in the past you've listened to Patrick Meekin and you listen to radio redemption and Dr. Tucker, you know, you guys know uh, that we honestly, sincerely try to impart the word of God to you and try to, you know, take it to another deeper level Mm -hmm. and that's what this is this is genesis genesis one prophecy and so i give that disclaimer because i have to tell you how this teaching is coming about Mm -hmm. and so those who don't know us might go "Uh oh nut bucket Mm -hmm. you know but i've got to tell you i just have to tell you how it came about because it's important because it 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 at least val it validates it for me Mm -hmm. sometimes as you know we all get these things. We all get a dream or we get a word spoken to us in the middle of the night in our sleep and it has significance and you know, you research it and, and God shows you things. Other times uh, Satan uses it as a tool and you got to know the difference. And sometimes you don't know right away and God will reveal things to you within, within a short time frame. It, it won't be years, you know, it'll be within a few days. I would suggest if, if you haven't got a solid answer from God within a week, then drop it. Right. I really would. I would I'd give it about a week. That's about it. And because if he really wants you to know something, he'll tell you again. Exactly. 
And I've had both. I've had um, words come to me in my sleep that were of the Lord and other ones that were not. Mm -hmm. I've had both. So you have to work through it and discern it. I will tell you this. Satan will never lead you to the glory of God or Christ or biblical scripture or anything that can help you in your Christian walk or help others. He'll never lead you that way. He'll always lead you in another way. That's right. Specifically into chaos and confusion. That's right. So that's one good way to discern it. A lot of people like to use the scripture in John that says, you know, I test the spirits by saying, um, did Jesus Christ come in the flesh? But that's not like a magical formula. It's the no. spirit behind that. Mm-hmm. So the, the demonic spirit will never give you something that will confess Jesus Christ in the flesh doing the work of redemption and salvation for humanity. They, they can't. Mm-hmm. That's what that means to test the spirit. It's not a magical formula. Confess to Jesus Christ, Christ. And it says, yeah, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Yes. Well, <laughs> they go, it must be from God. Yeah. The problem with that is that the scriptures say the devils believe mm-hmm. and tremble. Right. It's not a big deal. They believe too and they're scared. Mm-hmm. Don't be fooled by that. You have to test the spirit of the thing, right. the content of the thing. Exactly. I'm going to give an example. When we were going through all this demonization and stuff in our marriage, uh, not too long into it, I had, um, it wasn't a dream. I just had the name Melissa Crabtree come to me in the middle of the night. Melissa Crabtree. I woke up, told Miss Kapow, what could that mean? Mm. Don't know. Is it like Paul the Apostle where he saw the man from Macedonia going, come and help us? Mm -hmm. You know, is it that? I need to find Melissa Crabtree. So uh, they do the Google search. And, you know, it's a common name. It's a common American name. And I found a gal that, fit and she was um I, I don't remember all the details but she was kind of an outdoorsy yeah and she was a she was a singer yeah outdoorsy kind of gal um new age yeah new agey and all that stuff and was it um was i told to contact her that she needed salvation she needed the best no just mm-hmm. her name came to me and looked at this and we discussed it and it was like mm, i don't think so Mm-mm. especially when she was a little in the new agey yeah because that could be just the thing to go, oh. Yeah, I've because been, you just came out of that. And yeah. And the Lord had delivered you from that. Mm-hmm. She could have been on the other end going, oh, I've been praying for. Exactly. You know, a man. Yeah, she's throwing the net out there. Mm-hmm. And you happen to be the fish that got caught. Yeah. You know, the, um, what do you call it? The uh, the secret, the yeah. uh, the metaphysical, you know. The law of attraction. Yeah, the law of attraction. Thank you very much. So anyway, you know, we tested that, that spirit. Going, does this lead to the glory of God? To the or is this confusion? Mm-hmm. It was confusion for a couple of days, and so we dropped it. Never dreamed of that name again. Never heard of that again. It was gone. Mm-hmm. So that's. I hope that kind of helps. That's an example. Miss Capel, you've had dozens of these things. You know, mm-hmm. that happened. You wake up with something. But anyway, this month in September, early September. Uh, I had I did have a dream associated with this, but the dream is not important. It, it, it included some people from my past and my mother and things like that. And uh, we were waiting for them to, to return. They were they were going to return and they were um, going to get a hold of this list in my dream. But the important thing in my dream is I heard the the words. This is what I heard uh, verbatim. 
we've arrived at Genesis 1. And I heard that several times. And this was from the people in my dream that were outside of where we were waiting for them to return. Mm-hmm. And the voice sounded like that of an astronaut. The feeling was like they were astronauts and they were speaking over the, the radio mm-hmm. and they were telling, you know, Houston, we have a problem. You know, Houston, we've arrived on the moon. It was like that. And it was a notification that we've arrived at Genesis 1. Mm-hmm. So, as usual, you get up and go, well, what does that mean? Uh, I don't know. So, my suggestion is when you have something like that, especially if it's a scripture or a biblical thing, your first point of investigation should be the Bible. Mm-hmm. So, if it's leading you to Genesis 1, where would I start? Genesis 1. Genesis 1, right? Um Jennifer and Max Schaefer, there are a couple that listen to us that uh, they've been going through quite a bit of stuff with dreams and things like this too. And he recently had a dream about uh, Bar Jesus. The name, the name Bar Jesus came to him, which is the sorcerer Nax. Mm-hmm. So I told him the same thing. That would be the beginning of the investigation. I couldn't tell you is that from God or not from God. I don't know. But that's where would the beginning of the investigation would be. Because the Satan's never going to lead you to the word of God, the truth. He's always going to want to confuse you and confound you. So go there and see what the Spirit shows you. So that's exactly what we did. I discussed this with Ms. Kapow. We've arrived at Genesis 1. What could it mean? We've already had some kind of thoughts about Genesis in the past. And let me explain it to you. Though we couldn't quite articulate it, God, the prophetic word of God, God is always about prophecy. And I don't mean, I don't mean that crazy nutty prophecy stuff that you see today, but God is, is, is concerned with the end as he is with the beginning. That's, that's why the Lord Jesus Christ came for our salvation. That's why he, God created man and provided the salvation for him in in so many ways is he always has the end result to redeem his creatures back to him the ones that remain in his image after the fall and so we always believe that genesis in prophecy it loops back around it's there's typologies all through the old testament historical typologies that refer to events in the future, maybe once, maybe twice, maybe over again. Jesus Christ used typologies when he spoke to refer back to past events to show his people what's going to happen in the future. In other words, what's happened in the history, in the past, in biblical history, will happen in the future. What is today was already in the past what is going to be in the future was already in the past and there's example after example i can show you this but i just kind of want to give an introduction of where this series is going to go in genesis the whole thing is about prophecy in genesis not the book of revelation not daniel not all this it's it's something totally different and it's, it's very exciting to, to look at it this way. 
So we already kind of had that in our head. I mean, you know, Ms. Kapow will read the Old Testament and she sees typology after typology. And of course, if you read the Psalms, which are very prophetic, mm-hmm. you see Christ everywhere. You see this. Jesus also says things are going to happen in the future. He says, I'm going to give you the spirit, the Holy Spirit, which is going to reveal those things that are going to come Mm -hmm. to you. Mm -hmm. That's the way it should be. We shouldn't be confused about where we're at. So I am talking like a global thing. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about where we're at, where we're at as humanity, where we're, where we're going, what's the steps, what's the next step, where we're going and how close we are. And we firmly believe that. Right. We firmly believe we're very close to the end of time. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds kooky to some people. And I that I don't care. You can believe whatever you want. We can believe whatever you want. It's a you know. But that's that's honestly what we think. Mm-hmm. That we're very close to the end of time. Yep. So the beginning does have an end, and God is concerned with the end also. In Genesis 1, when you look at Genesis 1, and I'm just going to just say the first, the first verse, but when I say Genesis 1, prophecy, I'm talking about Genesis like chapter 1, mm-hmm. verse 1 through 11, and we're going to get to that later on in upcoming shows. I'm not going to get into that today because mm-hmm. it's huge. Mm-hmm. But verses 1 through 11, which I think is interesting because you got one eleven, And I know they're man-made verses. I understand that. But the Genesis is broke up in certain basic categories that don't even follow the man-made verses a lot of times. And if you understand that, you can read it mm-hmm. in the way it was written. Mm-hmm. And it's brilliantly written, by the way. Um totally inspired it might have been written by moses by a man but totally dictated men moved by the holy ghost yes and with the scriptures because it's alive it's live manna bread Mm -hmm. from heaven it's the word of god it's jesus christ incarnate right i mean he's yes he's he is the word but the word of god has so many layers and that's and, and it's the holy ghost that reveals those layers to you Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a big onion, mm-hmm. and it just peels. Absolutely, and this is this is big. We say Genesis one prophecy. Once again, we're going to go from verse one through. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, chapter one through chapter eleven. Not today. This is where we intend to go with it, and then we're going to you know we're going to break all that up on where we're at today and how how it fits it's kind of hard to explain because we think linear but this isn't linear think circular Mm -hmm. god thinks circular what was is what will be what was is is right now i mean even it's even revelation language Mm -hmm. you know the beast that was but then (laughs) that Mm -hmm. that, that now is but is gonna come Mm -hmm. i mean it's circular Mm -hmm. what happened in the past or typologies will happen in the future that's right and it's important when you think of scriptures, like when Jesus says, as in the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Uh, it's, it's, it's vital when you hear stuff like this. Because, and I'll get into that in a little bit here, but for right now, the very first verse in Genesis is, in the beginning, God created 
heavens and the earth, period. Mm-hmm. Not today, but probably next week, we're going to break down that Hebrew in there. Mm-hmm. And what you're going to see is there's already a prophetic utterance in that statement. Because in the beginning, God's already looking to what will be in the end. God created the heaven and the earth, period. He's already looking at what will be in in the end. And you'll see that in the original Hebrew words that are used and how they're used. Mm -hmm. So the very first, the very first verse in our scriptures, way back in Genesis, is already prophetic. Mm, that's, right. that's what's amazing about this. And as we break down the, the chapters of Genesis, hopefully we'll get from 1 to 11, you're going to see prophecy. You're going to see it and where we're at today mm-hmm. because it's, re, it's, it's repeated and it's returning. So that's when I say the words that came to me in the dream, we've arrived at Genesis 1. It's heavy. Because if we've arrived at Genesis 1, if that's where we're at, if we're correct in our assumption here, the next step is the end of time. Mm-hmm. We're at that brink. Right. We're at that brink. All right? So before we get into Genesis, and this is the introduction, this show right now, this episode... We have to understand the whole Pentateuch. The whole Pentateuch. Genesis is the introduction to the whole Pentateuch. Just hang on with me here because we're going to get into that in later shows. And you're going to see this incredible correlation Mm -hmm. between Genesis and things that are said and written. And then the correlation in Deuteronomy, the correlation in the law, the correlation... I mean, you're going to see this. Right. And so in order to understand Genesis 1, we have to understand the whole Pentateuch, right. the whole Torah. Mm-hmm. We also have to understand the entire book of Genesis and how it's laid out in order to really focus on arriving at Genesis 1. So that's what we're going to do today. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I talk and I don't know if I make sense or not. But hopefully it will as we go. Okay, understanding Genesis 1, we have to understand the book of Genesis. So let's look, let's look at the book of Genesis in itself, and we're not going to do a whole lot of scripture reading from Genesis today. We're just going to talk about some generalizations here to to get a, a foundation. The book of Genesis is divided in two main parts, two main parts. The first part of Genesis focuses on the beginning and the spread of sin in the world. And then it culminates in the devastating flood in the days of Noah. That's the first half of the book. Sin grows and grows and grows and it culminates in the destruction of the globe in the days of Noah. And we know our Lord spoke specifically about the past, that typology. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why he did that. So I'm not making this up. (laughs) Jesus said the same stuff. Mm -hmm. 
I'm not making it up. The second part of Genesis, the big main second part, focuses on one man, and that's Abraham. One man, Abraham, whom God would bring salvation and promises to the world. Right away, when I, when I say that, my head starts spinning forward, and I can see Abraham, whom God brings salvation and promises to the world, as a historical typology of Yeshua, of Jesus Christ, the God-man, God-made flesh, who brought salvation and promises to the world. Mm-hmm. Can you see it? Right. It's prophetic. See, and that goes with the first Adam and the last Adam, which is Jesus Christ. Nice. Nice. Because you're taking the first Adam from Genesis mm-hmm. 2 and projecting it to the last Adam and Jesus Christ. Right. It's all prophetic. Mm-hmm. And it still is. It doesn't end there. It keeps going until the culmination mm-hmm. of the end of time. God created the heavens, the timekeeping cosmology, mm-hmm. and that's going to end. Right. It's all parallels. Yes. There, they are parallels. They're main events to look at mm-hmm. that are similar in history that will repeat. Until the very end. Until the very end. When, then, when you don't need any sun... You don't need any moon. You don't need any sea. All these things he created in the beginning, you won't need anymore. Right. Because there's going to be a new beginning. A new beginning, a new heaven and a new earth. Mm-hmm. You guys kind of getting the, the rotation here? It's it's beautiful. So if you want to know what the future is going to look at, look like, you've got to look at the past. Right. And we're going to go way back in the past, mm-hmm. in the beginning of of time. So... Let's break that down a little bit with some with some other scriptures. Let's go back to the first half of Genesis that focuses on the beginning and spread of sin in the world and culminates in the devastating flood in the days of Noah. All right? So, when we look at that, what did Jesus say about in the days of Noah? Well, I will go to Luke. 1726. Okay. And we can go from there. Because Jesus, when he says this, he's looking back at Genesis and he's using that as a historical typology of what will happen in the future. Now, some of my preterist friends that are listening would say, well, yeah, that happened in AD 70. And a form of destruction in fact, did happen in AD 70. But I personally do not believe that all prophecy was fulfilled in AD 70. I have a hard, hard time believing that because it leaves me in some empty wasteland weed patch mm-hmm. with an uncaring God who doesn't care about the future of us. Right. It makes no sense mm-hmm. when God's a very organized God, he's very organized and time is very important to him. Right. And he already has an end in mind at the beginning. You can't tell me everything ended in AD 70. Right. Some things did mm-hmm. like Mosaic law, all that, the ritual, the temple, the Jewish covenant, that marriage ended. Mm-hmm. 
but not all prophecy was fulfilled in AD 70. Hardcore preterists would believe they would. Partial preterists don't, Mm -hmm. you know. So um, I personally, I can't see that or I wouldn't be doing this radio show because there's no purpose for me. Right. There's no purpose. All right. Okay, so Luke 17, 26 says, And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they did, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, and they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Right there, Jesus uses two historical typologies to make his point about the future. Mm-hmm. He's saying what was in the days of Noah will be like the days of the Son of Man. He also says what was like the days of Lot will be like the coming of the Son of Man. Mm-hmm. So, I don't make this up. I'm not just dreaming weird dreams and waking up and going, hey, I see some prophecy in, in Genesis. Jesus did the same thing. So I'm in, I'm in good company. I'm in good company. Um, and we, this, this whole as in the days of Noah thing has taken on a different form today because of all the, the genetic manipulation, the DNA manipulation, the cyborgs, the, uh, you know, simulated people, you know? Mm -hmm. And so what, what happens is, and I'm interested in all that stuff too. I'm, I'm interested in uh, sons of man dating with the daughters of, um, you know, daughters of men, sons of God, I'm sorry, angels mating with the daughters of men and creating, uh, you know, a Nephilim human angel hybrid and, you know, disembodied spirits. And I'm interested in all that, that ancient history also. But we have a tendency today to look at those scriptures. A lot of people look at those scriptures and they go, as in the days of Noah, and then they go, in the days of Noah, they were doing angel-human hybrids and blah, blah, blah. That's what we see today. And we see DNA being manipulated and stuff. And we do. But that's not what Jesus had in mind when he said this. If you read it in context, and also because he adds lot in there, he's talking about people that are going about their daily business and they have no idea just how wicked humanity has become and the destruction that is looming right around the corner. Mm-hmm. That's what he's talking about in context. Well, also in, in that Luke, it continues on to say uh, basically that um, it says, in that day he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. So there's a, Mm -hmm. there's a warning there, just like in the days of Noah, just like in the days of Lot. Yes. They were warned about this impending doom, the end. But yet they just continued ignoring ignoring it ignoring that Mm -hmm. and that's what jesus means Mm -hmm. it just that's the way it's going to be the days of the son of man it goes beyond 80 70 Mm -hmm. there was such a darkness during those times Mm -hmm. and um that they the the people had forgotten god Mm -hmm. and they were more interested in living in darkness and living in their sin than repenting and we'll find out also in revelation that it's the same thing 
you know, God sends this pestilence, the famines and, and all that. But the men never, the people never turned back mm-hmm. to God. In fact, they cursed him mm-hmm. because their, their, their hearts were so evil. Yeah. And in the days of Noah, it repented. God repented for even making man. Wickedness was so abundant. Mm-hmm. And it was part of the angel hybrid program. Mm-hmm. It was part of that. But men were just wicked. Mm-hmm. And they continued to be wicked. So what we see here when Jesus is saying in those days, because that whole, the whole prophetic scripture in Luke 21, Matthew 24, Mark mm-hmm. 13, those prophetic scriptures that, that Jesus spoke, he's talking about the end days. That's right. He's talking about that. So in the days of Noah, yeah, there was Nephilim. Yeah, there was angel hybrid. Yeah, there was all that stuff. But he's talking exactly what Ms. Kapow just said. Exactly. People have rejected God in the truth and the encroaching darkness is getting so dark. There's only one way out and that's totally destruction. Right. Just as in the days of Noah. So we can see the typology there that mm-hmm. Jesus himself used. And in each one like Noah and with Lot, there was only a remnant that was saved. A small, a small remnant. And we're going to mm-hmm. see that in Genesis also, this, mm-hmm. this remnant typology we're going to see this narrow gate typology. When Jesus says the gate leading to the small path is very narrow. It's very small. And he says very few people actually find it because it's that little and that cumbersome to get in there and dig in there. It's like a, it's like a camel going through the eye of a needle you know, getting its hump and its cargo through there. Very difficult. But yet that broad path, eh, that's easy, man. Mm-hmm. He even says that. It's a typology of that remnant mm-hmm. doctrine. There's yeah. only... That follow Christ. Yes. That deny self and pick up their cross and follow Christ. Yes. That's the remnant. And that has been preached from Genesis 1. Mm-hmm. All the way to today. That is the gospel and that is the truth. Anything else, cheap grace, get saved, do whatever you want because you're good to go because you've been elected. All that, doctrines of demons. That is not typology and doctrines of the entire scriptures of the word of God. That's right. It's false judgment. False judgment. Absolutely. Okay, let's stop here and take a short commercial break. We'll be right back. I just finished reading Demons in My Marriage Bed, a true story of spiritual warfare written by Paul and Linda Villanueva, and I highly recommend it to all Kingdom Against Powers of Wickedness radio listeners. This book is about saving your marriage from destruction. It is a true and vivid account about adultery, witchcraft, curses, spells, and evil spirits, all attempting to dismantle and annihilate lives. This is an excellent training manual for building a stronger marriage by exposing the tactics your enemies use against you. Ultimately, the book glorifies the transformational power of God through submission to the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is a good thing. Demons in My Marriage Bed from all online digital retailers, such as Amazon.com and Apple iBooks, FifthHookMedia.com. That is F-I-F-T-H-O-O-K-Media.com. 
Demons in My Marriage Bed, a true story of spiritual warfare, changed the way my spouse and I conduct spiritual battle and has increased our alertness level to the tactics of Satan. Please do not be fooled that such things cannot happen to you. Rather, get prepared and become the spiritual warrior needed to overcome in these perilous times in which we all live. God bless you all. And just to show that we're not taking a few, you know, a few scriptures out of context and saying that Jesus used Genesis as future, you know, happenings. Um, how, what does Revelation say about the spirit of Christ? Uh, Revelations nineteen ten, it says, uh, "Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy." The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I've read that dozens and dozens of times. And it's like, what, what does that really mean? What does that really mean? Well, the spirit of Jesus, he wrote these scriptures. Mm -hmm. Inspired men wrote this being inspired by the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ. That's why it's so tight. There's so many, it, it's so unhuman. Yep. These scriptures that's why the words in John first John says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Yes. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. And that word is the spirit of prophecy. That's right. That's why the whole book is prophetic. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about the days of Noah and we're talking about these two parts of Genesis, this is important. Mm -hmm. If we've if we have arrived at Genesis one, this is highly important to know where we're at. Well, even Christ and the apostles used the Old Testament to reveal Christ to the followers, the believers, mm -hmm. because he was the one. Christ was the one that the prophets and the the, the Psalms pointed to. The law, the prophets, the Psalms, they all pointed to him. And they were showing this was that spoken of by the prophet Joel, you know, mm -hmm. when, when the Holy Spirit came in second chapter of Acts, mm -hmm. it was already, this is that. Right. And that's why we'd have to talk to one another, encourage one another um, with the Psalms and the Proverbs and the, um, pro what the prophet said. Because it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Yes. It's all about the, the, the coming of that Messiah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the first part of Genesis focuses on the beginning and spread of sin, right? It culminates in the floods and the days of Noah. Mm -hmm. Jesus says, it'll be like the days of Noah and the coming of the son of man, right? right. Darkness, wickedness, so prevalent that there's destruction. Now, the second part of Genesis the second main part of Genesis focuses on one man, Abraham. God would use Abraham to bring salvation and promises to the world. Who does that sound like? What typology is that? Jesus. Jesus Christ. One man, the second Adam. He uses the God man to bring salvation and the promises to human, to the, the human race mm -hmm. to reconcile us back to being in the image of God. Mm -hmm. We are in these flesh suits. Mm -hmm. We are images of the beast. Right. We have the mark of the beast. 
That's right. We Our live flesh. in these, yes, the flesh. And so he's making a way for us to rise above that through Christ. Mm-hmm. It's not just eternal life. It's reconciliation mm-hmm. back to him. Right. Well, you know, like t- today we were, t- uh, or this past weekend, we were talking about the mark of the beast and, you know, regarding our study and everything and how I was saying, how could the mark of the beast actually be a chip or anything like that um, when people that don't willingly want to give that and they're forced to have that, how mm-hmm. can that be assigned like an, a sin to them? Yeah. It has to be something that you're willingly uh, wanting to receive or to do. So your flesh, it has to go, it has to go along with your will. Yeah. So it has to be something that you're doing in the flesh where you've rejected God or rejected his commandments. It has to be in your will. So it has to be something of the flesh. Yes, that you you willingly do mm-hmm. in a rejection of yeah, God and truth. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's in the flesh. We are in these flesh suits. It's a mark of a beast, the beast. We're beastly. We weren't created this way. No. We were created as spiritual beings. Mm-hmm. That's the reconciliation here, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. To get to, to get rid of that soulish nature and have that spirit of Christ in us mm-hmm. become one. That's another lesson. Yeah, that's another lesson. Okay, so we can see that typology of Jesus very much in Abraham. So to to understand typology a little more, Jesus also used typology. And when he's talking about the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70, Mm -hmm. he quoted Daniel. He didn't quote Daniel, but he referred back to Daniel. Yeah. Well, Matthew 24, 15 says, this is what Jesus says. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, the prophet stand in the holy place. Yes. What Jesus is referring back to is he's referring back to the uh, Maccabean times, that that intertestamental period, that 400-year period before the last prophet, um, which could be Malachi, and John the Baptist. Mm -hmm. There's 400 years without prophecy. It's Daniel uh, 9, Mm -hmm. Daniel, uh, all, all, all those those things about what we, a lot of people say, the Antichrist. Well, the Antichrist... One of the typologies, the historical typology of the Antichrist was Antichius Epiphanes the Fourth. Right. What an evil, evil Antichrist guy. Mm-hmm. He's a guy who sacrificed a pig on the altar of Yahweh That's in right. the temple. Mm-hmm. Horrible. Why would Jesus refer back to Antiochus Epiphanes the Fourth and say, when you see that abomination of desolation, the sacrificing of idolatry in the holy place where it shouldn't be, get the heck out. Why would he refer to that? Because it's a typology of what was was going to be. Mm-hmm. A.D. 70, the temple's destroyed. Mm-hmm. The Roman army totally flattened Judea. It was as it had happened. He referred to that. Mm-hmm. A lot of that destruction could be, a t- it was a typology that you see in Daniel. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't. It, yeah, their whole way of life, the, te- the temple was totally destroyed. That was their sun and the moon. That was their earth. That was everything. It, mm-hmm. 
the whole nation, Israel, and they were under Roman rule at the time, but the whole nation was a theocracy. Mm-hmm. You take away the theocracy, they no longer existed. That's right. You know, it was a huge, huge thing. Mm-hmm. So we can see by these two major points here, the two major segments of Genesis, two major segments, sin that culminates in total destruction of a flood. The second part focused on one man, Abraham, salvation and promises to the world. So let's look at this historically. We're going we're gonna to look in hindsight and see the typology of Jesus in this. And could it be that we have reached the end? We're at Genesis 1. We've arrived back at Genesis 1. You see, because it doesn't just repeat. It loops, it loops back. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard to explain. It's, it's like a, a, one of those old cassette players, you know, and you put it on loop. It, yeah. just, it loops back. It doesn't necessarily repeat and then go linear. Mm-mm. You're looking at major typological historical events and you latch onto those mm-hmm. if that makes sense well it's like the cycle of life basically yeah you're born you grow and you grow old and you die and then there's the next cycle of life that goes that way yes yeah it's and it is it's 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 cyclic and it's similar but it's not exactly Mm-mm. and it, it some of it repeats mm-hmm now, when we looked at that first half where sin causes the end of the world, the first half of Genesis where sin causes the end of the world, it could be that we've arrived at this point of history where it is so wicked and so dark that we are looking at the destruction of time right. as we know it. Mm-hmm. There, there is, we are promised a new heaven. We are promised a new earth. We are promised that that has to come at some point, Mm -hmm. whether it be today or in 10 years or in 50 years, who knows who, who knows, but we are promised a new heaven and a new earth. It is so wicked out there. It is so dark. Our planet, our globe, humanity has reached a stage that the whole planet is haunted this 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 whole rock that we're on is demon infested mm-hmm. that we are at the point i believe we've arrived at genesis 1 so sin causes the end of the world genesis equals the beginning and one is the first it's, it's we're going back so what happened at the first of genesis 1 god had created the heaven and the earth there's going to be an end to that, and then he's going to create the new heaven and the new earth. And therefore, time stops and eternity begins. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Revelation ten six says, And swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that, there are in, that therein are, and the earth and the things that therein are, and the sea, and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer. Wow. That's Genesis 1. There was Genesis 1. The sun and the moon and the stars weren't created to the third or fourth day. I forget. Forgive me. But it was third or the fourth, fourth. day. Fourth day where time was actually created. 
He had divided the light from the darkness right off the beginning, but time itself wasn't created to the fourth day. We go back to Genesis 1. If we've arrived at Genesis 1, we've arrived at a world, a planet that's formless and void. Formless and void. And then he recreates the new heaven and the new earth. Mm-hmm. If that's where we're at at time, this is an imperative, imperative message. If we are in the days of Noah, the next step isn't surviving destruction and the flood and only a remnant surviving and then going on. The next step, the next historical typology is the creation. Mm-hmm. So after the destruction, as if we go back, if we arrive to Genesis 1, we're not going forward to Genesis 2 or Exodus or the New Testament. Jesus has already come. We're looping back. Mm-hmm. And if we're at Genesis 1, we're looking at a new creation. Eden, the paradise, eternal glory with God. Amen. It's the end. Are we there in this time? Are, are we there? I ask that question. I think we are. Even unbelievers know something is Something's up. mortally wrong on this planet. Mm-hmm. Mortally wrong. If you don't have anything else on that, or if you do, we can loop back to you. But I'm going to move on to the three geographical settings in Genesis. Yes, go ahead. Okay? So we talked about Genesis being broken up in two main parts. It has three geographical settings. This is important. The first one is the Fertile Crescent. You're going to find the Fertile Crescent from verses 1, I'm sorry, from chapter 1 to chapter 11. 111. And this is where we want to go backwards from. This is where we arrived at Genesis 1, from chapter 11 backward to chapter 1, where there's a new heaven and a new earth created. The Fertile Crescent. This is before our time. Mm-hmm. The second geographical place in Genesis is found from chapters 12 through 36, and that's Israel, mm-hmm. the geographical Israel. Right. And then the third is found from chapters 37 to 50, and that's Egypt. Those are the three geographical settings found in Genesis. That's right. And it's important if we're arriving back at Genesis 1 because that's the Fertile Crescent, Mm -hmm. chapters 1 through 11. Let's look at this. Let's look at this. Look at it. The Fertile Crescent, chapters 1 through 11, spans more than 2,000 years. Mm -hmm. Keep that in your head. And 1,500 miles, it expanded. It had creation. It had Eden. It had the flood, and it had Babel. Man, this is pregnant with stuff. Mm -hmm. 2,000 years. I want you to think, where are we at since 2,000 years? What happened approximately 2,000 years ago from 2016? The birth of Christ. We've been around for 2,000 years. Mm -hmm. Huh. Could be a coincidence. I don't know. But if we've arrived at Genesis 1, we're looking at creation, Eden, flood, and Babel. But you're going backwards. You're looking at Babel, flood, destruction, paradise, creation. Mm. 
could the creation of Messiah in the beginning of the first century or some would call the common era, which has spawned now over 2,000 years. Mm-hmm. So far, could it be a typology of Genesis 1 through 11? Let's look at this. If we're going back, in Genesis, there was the creation of the heavens and the earth. And I told you, we're going to get into this on another program about the prophetic statement just in there, in the Hebrew. But could that relate to the new creation? Mm -hmm. If we go back to Genesis 1, instead of creating the heavens and earth, he's creating the new heavens and the new earth. Number two, in Genesis, there was the Garden of Eden and the expansion of mankind throughout the world. Could this be related to after the birth of Christ, the creation, the birth of Christ, the new creation, right, in Christ? I'm not talking about new heavens and new earth, but the new creation in Christ 2,000 years ago as relating to creation in Genesis. Could Eden and expansion be the typology of the birth of, I hate to use this word, church, because people think of a church, the birth of the bride, mm-hmm. of Christianity, true biblical Christianity. The temple. Yes, the, the temple. temple Christ. The Christian mission. Mm-hmm. The birth. And that birth happened when? Second chapter of Acts. That's when the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, was bestowed upon the believers. Mm -hmm. And that Holy Spirit then enabled them to take that message, that missionary message, through all the world. That's right. So, could the Garden of Eden and its expansion be the typology of the birth of Christianity and its expansion because they both look similar, don't they? Mm-hmm. They're both in history. So our history, we're, we've already been there. We've already done that. We've already had the birth of the church. It's already gone sideways. Mm-hmm. So we're going back. We're going back to the new creation. Right. Okay. The fourth one in Genesis was the flood. The flood. Now let's look at 70 AD, the destruction of the old covenant. It was destruction not only of the nation of Israel and its temple and its law, but the priestly Levitical ability to even conduct ritual, to even obey the law, was was gone. And it still is. And it never will come back. No. It can't come back. It's impossible for it to come back. The Levitical priests are gone. That's right. Because Jesus is the high priest. Yes. It's been replaced. Mm -hmm. And he is the temple. And he was the sacrifice. And that was the destruction of the old covenant. Just like the destruction, the flood destroyed that old world. Mm-hmm. In fact, in Daniel, in Daniel 9, when it talks about 
Antichius, Epiphanes the fourth, this Antichrist typology, it says in that tribulation that it would come as a flood. Mm-hmm. Does it not? Yep. Interesting. Okay, the fourth one that spanned the 2,000 years was Babel. We all know the story of the Tower of Babel Mm -hmm. and how they were unified. And they wanted to achieve whatever they were going to achieve in their portal to reach heaven and never be destroyed or subject to God again. Mm -hmm. And they spoke one language until God came down and scattered them and blew down that, uh, that tower. According to Jubilees, a great wind blew it down. I think this is tied to the apostasy of the church. Mm-hmm. Now, you think about the 4th century AD. Christianity was unified under one church. It was called the Universal Roman Catholic Church. That's right. The Universal Church. Why was it called universal? Because everybody belonged to it. It was a state religion by 400 AD. Mm-hmm. Constantine had made it a state religion. And it went apostate really quick. If you read church history from the time of Jesus mm-hmm. up to the 300, first 300 years, it was still right on. Mm-hmm. At the fourth century is when it went sideways. That's right. And that's when Constantine had made it a state religion and it incorporated all the paganism. And these were the warnings that the apostles were giving mm-hmm. the believers. That once they die, these wolves were going to come in and and preach a different Christ. And actually tear up the flock. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happened. So Babel being, the uni- Babel being the unified language that God then destroyed and scattered, could it be the unified universal Roman Catholic Church was then scattered? Mm-hmm. And we know it was scattered when Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses on Wittenberg door. That's right. And Protestantism, Protestantism, Protestantism uh, was, was born. Right. And you go to any town today and you look and you might have a Protestant church, a Methodist, you'll have a Lutheran Protestant church, you'll have a Calvary Baptist. Protestant, you'll have a Baptist. They're all Protestant, but they're all, then you'll have some Catholic church and you'll have Episcopalian, which is Catholic light, mm-hmm. you know, all in the same town. They're all scattered. There's no universal language. Mm -mm. And the church today is totally apostate. Right. They're they're, they're crazy. Mm -hmm. They're crazy. I'm not saying every single church, if you're lucky enough to belong to a real church and have a real pastor, count your blessings. That's right. But the vast majority of what's out there is, is apostate. That's right. So having said all of that, can you see... Where Genesis, the Fertile Crescent, chapters 1 through 11 that span more than 2,000 years, could be a typology, a typology of where we're at today and what has happened in the future. If those first 2,000 years, there was creation, Eden, flood, and Babel, and now we're looping back to Genesis 1, we have Babel, the apostasy of the church. Do we see that today? Is there any other time in history where the church has been so apostate? Has there ever been? Mm -mm. There's never been a time in history where we're so messed up in Christianity. So sideways in every single area. Mm -hmm. 
And right before that, right before that, within these last 2,000 years, the next big historical event was the destruction of the Old Covenant. Mm -hmm. And then we keep going backwards, and then we had the birth and expansion of the church. That's already happened. Well, then we had Jesus Christ, who created, who who gives us the ability to become the new creation, the new creature, the new man. Right. So if we're going backwards, well, the typology of Genesis, we've arrived at Genesis one, mm-hmm. creation, new heaven and new earth. That's right. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And then the second part of the geographical location is Israel. And that shows the rampant immorality and idolatry of the Canaanites who surrounded Israel. And the godliness of Abraham's descendants rapidly degenerated into gross immorality. What does that sound like? That sounds like the apostate church. Mm-hmm. So could it be that this second part was a typology depicts the church today, Mm -hmm. the church living in a world surrounded by immorality and idolatry? After some time, the godliness of Christ descendants, his church, his bride, Christianity becomes rapidly immoral and sinful. Mm -hmm. We're there. You cannot deny that that's what's happening. We are there. Right. So that second geographical thing, we've are, we're there. Mm-hmm. That means we're moving on to the Fertile Crescent. Mm-hmm. And the last part, the last geographical, geographical part is Egypt. And that's where God saves only 70 souls of the nation. There's your remnant. That's right. There's your little gate. There's your little narrow road. It was only 70 souls in the nation of Israel, the little nation of Israel that would become Israel. There was only 70 of them. God took them out of Canaan and he placed them in Egypt. Why? To protect them from the maiming influence of Canaan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what was amazing about this, as I've always heard um, preachers Say, you know, if you hear, if you read the word Egypt in the Bible, that means the world. Mm-hmm. Anytime you see Egypt, it's equivalent to the world. He's in Egypt. It's the world. But I don't think that's true. I'm not saying they're they're not worldly, certainly not godly. But I think it's the Canaanites that are immoral and committing adultery. They're the ones that are, that are going to destroy the nation of Israel. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that are squatting on the land. Right. That was Shem's land. Mm-hmm. According to Jubilees, Canaan took Shem's land. Mm -hmm. That's why God says, you go back and retake the land I gave you. Canaanites were squatters and they were Satan worshipers, Mm -hmm. God of this world. So God protects the little nation of Israel by sending them to Egypt and it protects them from Canaan. Right. And that's exactly what God did with Christ Jesus when they were going to kill Jesus Herod, mm-hmm. and so in a dream, Joseph gets a, a message from oh. God to take Jesus nice. back to Egypt. Yes, yes, where he was saved from the slaughter of the king. Yes, 
So God could have put him anywhere. God could have, well, we're going to put him in, you know, Kibroth Habathra, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, somewhere in the wilderness. Egypt. That's right. Why would he pick Egypt? Egypt is the womb where the nation could grow. How many of you listening to my voice right now feel like you're just hunkered down in your house or hunkered down in your little city mm-hmm. and the rest of the world's just going to crazy, crazy hell in a handbasket, but you feel, even though you're in the world, you feel protected. Mm-hmm. He's got you at a place where he's protecting. Maybe you you're you had a position in your job and you feel protected. Mm-hmm. You know, he's put you in a place in Egypt that he's protecting you. Mm-hmm. You're the remnant. Yeah. And you know, there's his uh, uh, historical stories in the Old Testament. Noah and his family were in the ark. Mm-hmm. They were protected. You know, and then um um just before the Hebrews were led out of Egypt, they were protected in their homes. Yes. With the, the, the mantle of blood. Yes. The Passover. Mm-hmm. Angel of death passed over them and they were protected mm-hmm. in the land of Goshen. Mm-hmm. And there's others. And there's another story in the Old Testament too where... Um, Lot was removed. Right. From the immorality. Mm-hmm. He was removed. Mm-hmm. Forcibly removed. Yeah. But as one of the uh, prophets were talking about, um, there is, there is going to be a time where you do have to um, hide mm-hmm. and be yes. protected. And even in, in, in Psalms, you know, Jesus, the, God is t- is um, pictured as a hen that protects his, his brood. Yes. You know, Psalm 91 is a perfect uh, psalm for that, mm-hmm. you know, where we're protected under his shadow. Mm-hmm. Under his wings. Mm-hmm. Yes, there is a time, a time for that. Ecclesiastics says that there's a time for war, there's a time for love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a time for planting and a time for uprooting, Mm -hmm. a time for building and a time for tearing down. Yeah. But the Bible says that Jesus came at the right time because the wrath of God is coming. Mm -hmm. You know, regardless how many years we have to wait, it's coming. It's coming. It's prophetic. And so he came so that we could hide in Christ Jesus in his righteousness. There's all kinds of layers. So that his wrath wouldn't fall upon us. Yes. Yes. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful thing. So on this last part, this this Egypt part, I mean, that's where God saves only 70 souls of the nation by putting them in Egypt to keep them from Canaan, the Canaanites. It reminds me, it's a good title, Canaanite Christianity, you know, mm-hmm. because we're in the world, but the, the modern day church has encompassed the world more than Egypt. Mm-hmm. They're Canaanite. They're adulterers. They're worshiping mm-hmm. a Cheez-Its. Not even, they're not even serving the real biblical Jesus. It's mm-hmm. a Cheez-Its. It's a, it's a fallen angel. Right. It's a serpent mm-hmm. that they're worshiping, that they put a beard on and long hair and a robe, and they go, that's, that's Jesus. It's yeah. Cheez-Its. And that's why I think it's God disgusting. is revealing, opening the eyes of many to remove them from the churches that they're attending. Yes. Amen. That absolutely. This Egypt, taking them in the land of Egypt to keep them from the maiming influence of Canaanites. Mm-hmm. It's not just the world. It's Hillsong. Mm-hmm. It's Mark Driscoll. Mm-hmm. It's the Kansas City prophets. It's the new prophetic reformation people. Right. Bill Johnson's church. Bill Johnson's church. It's Rick Warren. Mm-hmm. It's Amen. Joel Olstein. Mm-hmm. It's Benny Hinn. 
it's Paula White mm-hmm. <sighs> on so many and on Creflo Dollar. Mm-hmm. All those guys. Those are the Canaanites. Right. Those are the idolaters. The squatters. That, yes, they're squatters. And they're squatting in the house of God. And they're the adulterers. And they're worshiping a false God. And they're leading people to a false Christ. Mm-hmm. That they're not saved. No. They're not saved. There's no eternal salvation in a Cheez-Its. And many have followed them. And so could this Egypt depict the removal of some remnant Christians? And I, we know some, mm-hmm. us, Brother Marcos, I mentioned the Schaefers, uh, Allison came out of Hillsong, Australia. Mm-hmm. I mean, some have been removed from these idolatrous churches, These Canaanites. And could it be that God removes them and he hides them in the world of Egypt to Mm -hmm. protect them from this Christian Canaanite influence? Because if if you go to a bad church that worships the Cheez-Its and you say, well, they do good things. I don't like what they do this, but they do good things here. It doesn't work that way. Mm -mm. You can't have a poop sandwich. You can't Mm -hmm. go, well, the bread's really good and and the mayonnaise is, is... is is fresh and the mm-hmm. lettuce and tomatoes are delicious it's just that little bit of of dog feces mm-hmm. uh, mixed with the hamburger uh, meat is kind of gives it a, a bad taste yeah. you can't do that it's it's either good or bad it's black or white and if if you happen to be going to one of these bad churches you're not going to change them or the the leadership or anybody in there you will succumb under the umbrella of that which you serve. Mm-hmm. You can only serve two masters. I mean, one master. You can't serve two. It's either God or the false God. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. It's that black and white. And those of us who have been removed from that, we're, we're just, we're, we're being hidden from that influence. Mm-hmm. And those people that are lucky enough, they're fortunate enough to have found a good body and That's you right. have a good pastor, you have good leadership and they're, they're being biblical and they're doing everything they can to have a church and do everything right. Then count your blessings, That's right. count your blessings. Cause you haven't had to be removed from that because mm-hmm. they haven't gone apostate. And so with all of that, could we have the remnant? Could we have arrived now at Genesis 1? Where now we're looking at a new heaven and a new earth. Could we, is, I'm asking you a rhetorical question, people. Have we arrived to that point yet? I mean, we look at history. We look at the typology of Genesis and it's looping back. We're not going to have the destruction of time of this planet and then eight of us be saved and then continue on and repopulate the planet. That ain't going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's a new heaven, a new earth. It loops back. Mm-hmm. Could we be at that point? We're certainly in the days of Noah. Yeah. I don't know of any other time in history where this would fit. Mm-hmm. Now you can look at world war two and you can look at the Nazis. You can look at videos of Berlin being bombed. And certainly if you were a biblical Christian in those days, you would look at Hitler as the Antichrist if you if you had believed in that kind of um, doctrinal thinking. Mm-hmm. 
if you believed like that, like many people believe today, you would really look at Hitler as the Antichrist and see the bombing of Berlin as the the, the vials and the trumpets and the bowls of revelation. Sure. Would you not? Mm-hmm. But today, I even look back at uh, Germany, Nazi Germany, and I look at what happened to them, and we're, we're, we're in a much darker time than they were because that was one country, Germany, that sold out to the occult. Mm-hmm. The whole globe has today. Mm-hmm. There's no country out there that has not mm-hmm. sold out to the God of this world. And just the fact that uh, the zeitgeist now wants to, uh, the one world government, is exactly what was happening in, in Babel, mm-hmm. where they wanted to unify and rise up and be God. That's what they're doing now. They they want to prevent death and <laughs> live forever. You know, everybody and do be things the same. their own way. Mm-hmm. They want to speak that one universal language mm-hmm. and defy and deny the Creator God. That's right. Yet we're marching in time to the end of time to the very Creator God who started it all. Mm-hmm. And when He said in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. There's a prophetic statement that there's an end there and we're going to talk about that next week Yay. amen amen so let's say good night unless you have some more okay give another ciao because i talked over oh ciao babies
Christ and Him crucified for me. How He loved. 